Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC Campfires is brought to you by DSC, the Dallas Safari Club, conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, the calling us call made. Double nickel taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now, here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Thank you, David Fox, for that introduction. Before we get into today's campfire, we have a special anniversary, if you will, or a special event coming up here toward the very beginning of July. We are going to be doing our 100th episode of what started out as DSC's Untamed Heritage, which has now become DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. To commemorate this, I'm going to give away one of my custom knives. These are very limited edition. They have my name inscribed upon the blade. The scales of this particular knife that we're giving away is made from the horn of a buffalo that I shot in Australia. Now, all you have to do to enter the drawing is to go to my Instagram page. That is at Larry Wysoon Outdoors, and there leave a comment as to anything having to do with DSC's campfires, and uh, we'll get you entered, and then we'll draw a name on the 5th of July. The 5th of July, then we'll be in touch with you right after that. So, wish you the very best, and thank you for joining us all these many episodes. And then about time now that we got into the one that we got set up for you today. We're so very fortunate to be back again with Corey Mason, the executive director of Dallas Safari Club. Corey, welcome back to the DSC Campfire. Thank you for having me, Larry. Oh, Lord, it is such a pleasure to spend time with you. And DSC does so many great things. 
we met not too long ago, and we talked about some of the some of the really serious stuff facing us right now. And I know there's going to be continuing that same thing again and again and again. And we really need that, as we discussed in the last one, really to start kind of a grassroots movement in working together more and more all the time. I want to continue a little bit on that theme, but then there are also some really great things that are going on as well, too. So maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the positive things as well. DSC has got a later summer event coming up. That's correct. So August the 14th, uh, we're hosting an event here in Dallas uh, at a place called the Below Mansion. And so we'll have the opportunity to attend that event uh, physically, as well as we'll have an online opportunity for those that want to support DSC, follow along, participate in auctions and all of that. And it's this is going to be a lot more than uh, a fundraiser. And so we're casting it far wider than that. Rather, it's a it's an opportunity to celebrate uh, the world opening, you know, fellowship, camaraderie, all those kind of things that we have so desperately missed over the last year. Uh, and to get together, uh, like-minded people to celebrate and to really look towards fall and think about the upcoming hunting seasons. And then obviously the opportunity there to, to, to buy some great items as well. Uh, but that's just one piece of this great, uh, hopefully a great night ahead of us. To me, one of the great things, as I've often said, and you have too, is anytime you get together with the DSC, it's like a huge family reunion. It, it's with friends and family that you've known for years or friends and family that you're going to know for years that yep. maybe you're just meeting there for the first time. Let, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming hunting season. You're a wildlife biologist. You spent many years with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. I did some of the same. You've hunted all your life. What are you kind of looking forward to this year in terms of hunting? I, I, and I've got a pretty good inkling of an idea anyway <laughs> when I'm asking that. But So what, what's special on the horizon for you this fall? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm thrilled about uh, one particular thing that's pretty close in front of us. So my wife and daughter and I will be traveling to Africa for uh, first safari on their side, on my daughter's side specifically. So we'll be going to, uh, to Namibia, uh, Hunting Plains Game, uh, a trip that we've had in the books for a few years now. And uh, we're, we're going. Uh, we're so excited about that as a family trip to, uh, to get there. And we're all three hunting, but uh, obviously the, the two girls there are on the front. And <laughs> if there's an opportunity for me to pick up the rifle, I will, but only after they've, they've hunted, you know. So I'm super excited about that. And one of the things, I have a, a daughter that's seventh grade at this point, and, and really any time we can spend together as a family. And I'm really fortunate that my wife did not grow up hunting uh, wasn't wasn't an anti at all, just right, a non-hunter. Right. And uh, when exposed to hunting and our uh, dating, she uh, very quickly took to it. And I think much of it was because of my yellow lab, Anna, that she was so impressed with Anna that <laughs> that she couldn't keep from going to the duck marsh and dove field with her, you know. But uh, that transition into deer hunting and many of these other things. And so the point of that is my family enjoys going together. Uh, and we make a number of trips to take my daughter deer hunting, you know. Uh, we'll head out western part of the state and uh, see if we can't get a few dough for the freezer and those kind of things. And then uh, one of the highlights every year is to go spend some time in the sand dunes chasing mule deer with my father. So that's on the radar. I, I love all the family aspect in this. I've got two daughters and now five grandkids, all of which actually ended up taking the first year sitting on my lap, you love know, it. and probably the second and third one too. <laughs> and same thing with my daughters. I, I remember going out with my daughters and, and when they were first really getting into hunting and and I wanted them to start with a smaller deer kind of thing. And I'm sitting there glassing, and I've told this story numerous times. This deer comes in, and I'm, I'm looking through the binoculars, and I'm 
trying to pick out which one next time I can hear myself breathing. <laughs> That's right. About to hyperventilate and feel this tugging on my shirt and look down. It's my daughter going, Daddy, Daddy, are you having a heart attack? You know, and, and, and I was, but it was the greatest heart attack yep. I think there ever was. But it, to me, it's so very important that we spend time in the outdoors, particularly in terms of, of family. And even in some instances when your family can't go is to maybe adopt a family a little bit, if you will, yep. to get those folks out. When my daughters were small, they hunted with me a lot. Then for a while, I hunted with a whole bunch of other kids. And then as my grandkids came along, I started hunting with them. Well, now it's back to the point again. Now they're on their own. and. So I'm about to start hunting with other kids again, kind of thing. Yep. And, and uh, but it's so very important. Those are so special, great times, particularly among family. In Africa, tell me a little bit about that trip. I I want to I want to hear more. Yeah, so we're we're super excited about it. We're going to be there uh, for a couple of weeks, and we're going to be hunting plains game. And uh, my daughter is very comfortable with her particular rifle, so we're we're going through all the hoops of uh, gun permits to make sure that we take that rifle. You know that she shoots Absolutely. well, and yes. and uh, she is a she's a very good shot with it. So we'll be uh, uh, we're looking forward to the travel travel together as a family. Uh, but the, so yeah, so we're hunting plains game. We'll be there in the uh, the beautiful red sand of Namibia, and uh, we'll uh, one be, of my favorite places yeah. on earth, honestly. So I'm so excited about it, you know, and we. We have a number of opportunities that we're looking at. Obviously, my daughter to experience some things, and my wife. And you know, we've we've had a conversation about if if you had an opportunity to uh, to take an animal, and what would it be? You know, and and uh, my wife's is really easy. It's the kudu. She's looking forward to and like and, how she uh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and I really kind of have a thing for an eland that I'd love to, to to connect with. Absolutely. And my daughter's answer is the, the most priceless of all of them. She said, "Whatever's the closest, and I get an opportunity to take a shot at." <laughs> you know, I kind of like the way she thinks most of all. I exactly. <laughs> she has the most perspective for sure. So uh, we're going to have a good time either way. We're going to be together. It's going to be fun. Oh, absolutely! To experience that part of the country with your family, and then that Namibia to me is one of those very special places. Anyway, it, yeah. it's somewhat similar to Texas, but so totally different. And then you've got the great variety of game species, and there's a tremendous amount of culture there as well too and then the experience the red sands in Namibia is yep. that's a special treat just in itself it is we're looking forward to it we're going to spend uh, roughly half the time in two different camps uh, to see some different terrain be in some mountains the first few little bit and the last will be in the desert proper in the sand and so it oh, should be man. a great great trip yeah I, I remember several trips there and as I said that's always been one of my favorite places I kind of went there many years ago and got hooked on it and went there at least once a year for several times and maybe a couple times uh, I kind of slipped away for a second time. <laughs> T- to me, it's just a very special place in Africa of all the places I've hunted there. And, and to me, it's kind of like home and yep. the developed a family there, if you will, kind of in terms of a friendship and truly special. I want to go back to the to mule deer because you and your dad have been hunting <laughs> that country. And, you know, I'm kind of partial to mule deer a little bit as well, too. But tell me some about that hunt as well, too. And, it, and I know we're months in advance, yep. but... I know you got to be thinking about it some as well, too. We do. It's a great thing. We, my dad and I have been doing it for about 20 years now. Uh, every year we find some time. If it's uh, November, December, whatever works out, it's always a challenge for me with our annual convention in early January to find a few days. Some years it's two days. Some years it's four or five that I get to make it. But whatever it is, we try to make it happen. And, and uh, we do. We've been hunting the same ranch there between uh, just south of Andrews. Uh, not necessarily traditional mule deer habitat. When people look at a map, they don't think that's where I'm going to hunt a good deer. Uh, but uh, we hunt hard. We hunt with some great uh, friends out there that are just like family to us. And 
and uh, and again, it's it's four or five days uh, out in the desert running the uh, running the spotting scopes and binoculars, looking to trying to find an old big six, seven, or eight year old deer, and we're extremely. Uh, selective just because we want to take the right deer. Uh, it's not about taking a deer, but when we find good deer, that country right. can grow some really big deer. You know, I remember I worked as a biologist for that part of the country for a while. Years ago, there were a fair number of lesser prairie chickens still there, and this before we had all the fancy satellite mapping things. So we would take a like a little 152 Cessna and we'd fly across country and try and locate where where the uh, Chinook was. Mm-hmm. And I remember flying across an area, and there were five of the biggest mule deer bucks that I've ever seen in a group to this day. And you just didn't see very many at all. And But I remember, and the pilot and I just sat there, we almost flew that plane to the ground, just kind of <laughs> spin it over the top of, oh my God, look at that one, oh no, that one, look at that. And every one of those deer was just absolutely phenomenal. And you're right, it doesn't seem like real yep. deer country. It, it doesn't, you know, there's, people look at that country and they see, uh, obviously, oil field and they see cattle and big legacy ranches, you know, and all oh, that's yeah. true. Uh, but the great thing about it is those landowners that, like many other places, they realize the value of those mule deer from both a ecological standpoint and, in some cases, a financial standpoint. And so, they're making great decisions based on uh, rot- when are they rotating cattle through, and what density are they stocking cattle in, and uh, when are they moving cattle? Do they have water in all pastures, etc.? So these are financial and ecological decisions landowners are making that positively benefit mule deer, of course, and many, many other species. And so. It's a it's great country, you know. When you I tell so many people, people drive through that country and they just getting from A to B, whatever it might be. They sort of looking for the next gas station as they drive through <laughs> yeah. there, you know. But when you get out there and you sit on the side of one of those sand dunes and there's shinoak around you, and you're just still right about sunset, it is amazing the diversity of wildlife. It is truly an opportunity to, to really learn a lot of things about that area too, just like you say, because it does not look like any kind of game country. You think maybe rattlesnakes, grasshoppers, and a few jackrabbits kind of thing. But it is truly amazing what is there. And I think because of the hunting, a lot of that country has been preserved to where it is right now. We still need to manage the habitat, but at least we've gotten away from, there was a while it just seemed like there was an effort to try to destroy as much of that country and turn it into dry land farming. And thankfully some of that is halted at this point. That's right. It's it's so neat too when you get out in that country and you realize with the the cultural and and heritage with the uh, perspective associated with that landscape and you're out there and you find you know Native American lots of uh, lots of hunting grounds out there and you see those things and you go up on the Cap Rock and you see fossils up there you know in a in a place that gets eight to ten inches of rain a year you know a fossilized fish you know so it, it's just a really unique place. It it truly is. There's so much country like similar to that although totally different, similar in the fact that a lot of people don't even realize what it, what the potential is or what is actually there until they spend some time on it. And I think that's something that we need to try to encourage more people to do, to get out and see these kind of situations, that see this type of habitat, this type of terrain, and I think they'll have a much better understanding. And I think if we can do some of that, then maybe we can get back to some of the grassroot grassroot type things. I'll get a spit out here in a minute. And... Uh, get more people involved again because and truly appreciate not the country itself but the wildlife that's there the culture that's there and how important hunting is to the yeah. to creating that situation as it is right now and improving upon it into the future you know one of the the links that you and i share from past work with working with private landowners all across the state and far beyond is 
it's a very sincere appreciation of what landowners contribute to wildlife habitat. You know, you look at some states where it's most significantly owned by, you know, government lands, if you will, BLM or Forest Service or whatever it might be. And obviously the state of Texas, whatever number you use, it's north of 90% that's private land. And when you travel through that country and you see again see the just amazing land stewardship of these landowners where they're spending their own resources, choices that they don't have to make. No, they don't. To benefit wildlife, both game species and non-game species, both. Um, it, it's just that. It's very incredible. It's the decisions in which these people make that are truly the, stories, the stewards of our natural resources that are unsung heroes, and they should get a whole lot more credit for saving our wildlife than they do. They really do. The Texas Parks Wildlife Department has done a good job in trying to promote this, but also like Texas Wildlife Association and a few others that are honoring landowners for the the work that they do. It's like the uh, Texas Big Game Awards program that we have here in Texas where we recognize hunters who take animals over a certain score. But even at that point, that landowner gets the equal recognition recognition that they should that's right exactly so it's a it's, it's an inter- we live in an interesting state and i get tickled sometimes oh my god you're from texas here, here. you know <laughs> until you've experienced texas if you come to texas and you've been in dallas proper and houston proper you've not been to dallas i mean you've not been to texas so <laughs> i would agree with that 100 percent. yeah <laughs> in terms of we've talked about a little bit of this but in terms of getting people out more what can we do i know the local war movement has really all of a sudden people realize food doesn't come from grocery stores so that has really helped things how can we help these folks become more aware and others and how can we help them to have a better outdoor experience in your opinion absolutely i think much of it goes back to what you raised uh i don't know just a few minutes ago about taking someone out right you know, it, it, it's helping expose people that don't have the opportunity, that feel like there are barriers. And maybe it's that it's the friend of your child that grows up in a household that just doesn't have the natural opportunity because of working parents, parents that maybe don't care, but they're not opposed to exposing their child to the opportunity. Taking them along with you doesn't mean they have to get behind the gun, but take no, them out no, no, let no. them pick up sheds and chase grasshoppers and check on waters, whatever it might be. Uh, it's something as simple as that, and it's it's also the opportunity to you have a coworker that realized they've never had the opportunity to go to the gun range and shoot a twenty two. Man, take a Saturday morning and take them, expose them to those things, and you never know what that little spark might turn into from a big flame on their side, you know, of interest. And so, it's some of those small things like that that can really, uh, really turn the tide. And it's also having the willingness and and being equipped personally to have an informed conversation with someone. Again, when you have that 30-second window to help them understand the importance of the hunter and wildlife conservation and, and being well enough equipped that you can have that conversation and say, you know, in fact, you know, hunters contribute and by far pay 60-plus percent for game and fish agencies in North America. Well, I didn't know that. Well, let me tell you what else hunters have done. Exactly. They've restored these species and this species. And so not necessarily that you have to be poised or ready to give an eloquent speech. That's not it. But to be able to make a few uh, poignant points, you know, that just maybe turn someone interest and. Be willing to take them. Get them outside. Absolutely. Give them the opportunity to think for themselves. Kind of. That's thing. right. DSC has been very much involved in things like the safety event. And that's a, that's a great way to get kids out as far as I'm concerned, too. And then we've got, again, going back to Texas, we've got the Texas Youth Hunting Program. And yep. through TWA and Texas Parks and Law Department, over the last several years, we've taken 35, 37,000 kids on hunting trips and with each one of those there's been an, an adult as a, either a parent or a guardian and a lot of those folks had never been in the outdoors before 
So there's opportunities there's opportunities there to become involved with with the Hunt Master Program, or with T, uh, TWA, or in terms of safety events with DSC. We're always looking for really good people who can be there to can help kind of as instructors or kind of overseers as well too. Absolutely. There's a lot of opportunities and, and regardless of where you may be, in most cases a game and fish agency, again, all across North America, they own some percentage or they lease lands or they, you know, whatever have an agreement of lands with maybe the US Army Corps of Engineers as an example. But many of them run mentored hunts or youth hunts as well. So recognizing that some of those opportunities to get outdoors are based on a, a real barrier associated with, well, I simply don't know what to do. I don't right. even know where to get a rifle or what ammunition is right. Do I need this or that? And those kinds of opportunities, some of them are through application, and the application is there to ensure a quality experience. It's not to be exclusive. Rather, it's trying to create a quality experience. And so there's a lot of opportunities like that. When someone has an interest, they can call their state game and fish agency or organizations like you mentioned, Larry, and say, hey, you know, put me in, plug me in. What can I do from a volunteer standpoint to give time to help take an adult, a youth, or whatever it might be, get them in the outdoors to bust a sporting clay or shoot a bow or maybe actually get behind a scope and maybe, you know, try to take a, a pig or a deer or whatever it might be. Absolutely. As you say, there's so many opportunities. We're going to cut this a little bit short today because we and I both got a meeting we're going to go to in just a few <laughs> minutes, so we're going to put out the extinguish the campfire as well. But, for people to get more information about some of the things we talked about, specifically about DSC, and also the upcoming event that we have in August the 14th, and then also about the upcoming big convention in January, what's the best way for people to do that? You bet. Most of that is easiest to find there at our website, which is biggame.org. Uh, they can contact the DSC office here, the headquarters. There's someone here that will get them information on the August event, obviously the DSC convention from an exhibitor standpoint, from an attendee standpoint. I would note this is our 40th convention, so it's going to be a bash this year. Oh, my gracious, yes. January 6th through 9th, we'd love to have them. Not only that, we want to remind people very quickly, too, we do have chapters set up across North America, particularly across the USA, and they can go to biggame.org and find out where those chapters are. And again, that's a really excellent way to get to know people and also to learn more about hunting in your specific area. So go to those web, go to that website, come see us here at the DSC and coming upcoming convention and also the one in August that we're having. And please join us again right here at the DSC Campfire next week. Thank y'all for being with us. And Corey, thank you for being with us as well, too. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's Campfires. DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas raised hunting products. The scent gods. Can attract boots for the trails less traveled. Voight, the finest in hunting gear. Pyramid Air for all things air gun. And Ripcord Rescue Travel Protection.